Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. eGovernance Academy has assisted digital transformation globally in more than 130 countries. Our experts will share their insights and worldwide examples on how digital technology could benefit every society. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome to the Digital Government Podcast. I am Federico Plantera, journalist and sociologist, and today with me I have Karina Payu, Executive Director of Transparency International in Estonia, and Cristina Reinsalu, Program Director for eDemocracy at the Governance Academy. Welcome to both of you. Hi. So the topic that we will face today is uh, indeed intersecting the, the macro themes of indeed transparency and democracy, because today we will talk about how to combat uh, corruption with digital tools and with the use of platforms and digital means indeed. Uh, so Karina, I would like to start from you to with an introductory uh, question, let's say, which is related to um, the size and scope, for example, of corruption estimated in the world at the moment. Because we know, for example, from, uh, from United Nations data and United Nations reports that uh, a pretty big chunk of public procurements and budgets from public procurements basically end up in uh, uh, in nothing in the sense in like bribes and other uh, and other elements let's say that make up the definition of corruption so what can we say about that what's the what's the status of that Indeed, it's uh, really depends on the the study, but it's the estimation is ten to twenty five percent of all the procurement uh, costs, which is when you think about it, it's a huge sum of money, um, and it's uh, also very worrying that it's uh, up to a quarter of everything that countries uh, spend on procuring uh, different things is just lost, and it's really hard to get any of this. Uh, any of these finances back um, close to uh, impossible even so it's it's definitely uh, an issue when it comes to uh, the the financial side of things and it it definitely influences the way how the public also perceives um, the government so even in uh, let's say in a country like Estonia um, that was is going pretty well when it comes in terms of the corruption perceptions index. Um, so for example, in uh, 2019, 29% of Estonians thought that um, you know, funding political parties in exchange for public contracts was one of the most widespread of several corrupt business practices. Um, of course, we are recording this two days after a huge corruption scandal was uh, <laughs> revealed in Estonia, where uh, there's uh, the, the party of the prime minister, now ex-prime minister, soon to be most likely, uh, is involved in, uh, in a huge corruption scheme that took place for over a year. So, you know, this, these things to erode the trust in the way how we perceive not only uh, government, but also political parties, our parliament, ministries, etc. 
we can say, however, that the Estonia, the the very recent Estonian case is a bit of a I don't know, like a like a white fly in the a white fly in the whole context. Because in any case, Estonia, in terms of corruption and perception of corruption, ranks quite well. For example, in the 2019 index, right? I think it's in the top tenth percentile of the countries, right? I think it's 18th out of 180. You know? Yeah. So, um, but uh, on that topic, for example. Uh, Focusing for a moment to Estonia and then uh, expanding, let's say, the, the the look also to other countries and more internationally. Christina, uh, something has been done already in Estonia in terms of deploying digital tools, for example, to at least, I don't know, limit the scope of corruption, limit the cases of corruption in the sense that... Um, there are, of course, like some ways uh, that in uh, in the democracy uh, could be like some tools that can be implemented and that actually foster this type of institutional trust. So trust from the side of society towards institutions and the institutions governing it um, in the country. So what what why Estonia or why solutions from Estonia, for example, could help also other countries abroad in that in that perspective? <coughs> Yeah, well, actually, it's, I would comment on that, which is also very much related what we just, uh, or you discussed earlier, that why we are performing so good in indices. I think that this goes back to our early uh, strategical decisions when Estonia just regained independence and started to scratch uh, our state from uh, from zero, that it has been decided to get to go fully digital. I mean, this is already one one answer to that. That I mean, you as I were former president uh, Thomas Henrik Ilves has said that you can cannot bribe so easily computer or machine as as easily as you can you can bribe people. So I think that. One one secret, if I can call it, was was already that to, to go to to already start designing all processes and governance procedures, already doing them digitally. By by default, of course, we still keep some alternative <laughs> mechanisms and systems, but but per se, and 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 I mean all. Uh, connect, uh, connection and interactions between governments and local governments and people started to be much more to much more extent uh, digital than in other countries. So it's it's already one 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 yeah way to do it much more transparent, uh, accessible, and 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 yes, this is uh, yeah as I said, this is already much makes it much harder to to manipulate it to 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 to. Yeah, be corrupt to 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 pay bribes or whatever way to heed some 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 dirty deeds, so to say. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the topic of corruption, we should also, uh, um, I guess, note that. Corruption is not just indeed like a you know, cash in hand, one person to another person, uh, just a transaction of that type, but it involves also some other um, typologies indeed of, of events or like ways of uh, gaining uh, positions of advantage through favor or through money indeed uh, in other ways. So Karina, uh, when it comes to uh, talking about enhancing transparency or like uh, addressing the topic of corruption, what are some other types of corruptions apart from like cash in hand type of operations, let's say, that need to be addressed and that, for example, at Transparency International, you, you are focusing on? 
So it's indeed the more uh, advanced a country is in uh, not tolerating corruption or finding out corruption, the more complicated it has to become. And I think that's that's something uh, very universal to all kinds of crime. Um, so when I when I talk about uh, different types of corruption rather than just uh, money on hand, then uh, we can take place from, uh, for example, the Estonian uh, legislation, which uh, in general terms is uh, really rather harsh on anti-corruption measures, and uh, in this sense uh, also sometimes even unique compared to other countries. So, for example, if a local municipality council member makes a, a decision. In, during their work, um, and this decision has to do uh, with a person that they are connected to, for example, their cousin or someone uh, someone else uh, that might have influence over them, then actually this person can be prosecuted for making a decision, uh, even if they do not gain any kind of uh, monetary um, uh, reward from this, they will be prosecuted for something like this. So this is uh, this is rather harsh, um, but uh, it also tries to prevent any kind of uh, nepotism, any kind of uh, making decisions uh, based on relations between people, which is really important in especially small countries uh, where everybody knows everybody. Um, but well, there could be many conflicts of, of interest also. The topic of conflicts of it, interest, for example, is a, is a big one. And that is uh, exactly to do with uh, conflicts of interest, exactly. So to kind of make sure to manage this risk uh, from from the outset. And these uh, conflicts of interest, of course, um, take place in, in other forms of corruption as well. For example, you can use your um, influence uh, that you have in, for example, a political party or in an institution to uh, buy or make sure that somebody uh, makes decisions that are favorable to someone else. In this case, it's uh, generally there has to be some monetary exchange involved as well. But in, for example, the the case that happened two days ago with our um, that was uh, that came out in uh, in Estonia two days ago. Um, so um, the political party Keskerakond was uh, was said to be. Uh, acting in the name or for uh, a businessman to uh, influence a decision uh, in, uh, in a separate uh, institution so that the businessman could get uh, a favor that they otherwise would not get. And that over there, there was a promise of some financial exchange, of course, as well. But in the in the so when it comes instead like to talking about Estonia and uh, the ways that the digital digital solutions could be used to enhance the transparency, you know, um, Transparency International has been part of a consortium that developed an app, an application which is called OpenAir. Can we elaborate on that? So how does OpenAir uh, enhance the transparency? What does it do? Uh, what are the main uh, and and for whom? In the sense, like who can uh, see it, who can access that, and who can use this information to help enhance transparency. So, uh, Opener is actually um, so it's, it's a uh, platform that will take uh, open data from public sources, um, and the main idea is to find out and detect automatically conflicts of interest when it comes to uh, public procurement and political donations. So. 
using this enormous amounts of data that it's not humanely possible to go through by yourself, it makes sure that you would see the connections between people. For example, let's, let's take one example, um, an enterprise who is bidding in a procurement. Um, and then you would see who was the buyer in this procurement. And then you will see if someone, if the buyer has donated to a party where the buyer is a member of. So you could potentially already start connecting the dots in a way that would allow you to investigate further. Uh, by no means is uh, opener a way to show, uh, show that this is corruption. Uh, please put these, these people behind bars. But this is mainly meant to be used by uh, journalists, by law enforcement, by also academics to go more in depth and see where the connections are or where the potential collusions between uh, buyers and sellers and even different bidders could happen. Mm -hmm. And open air is not even like the only application, let's say, within this field that is active or that is uh, attempting to have an impact on this on this issue. Um, are there like other apps or like applications or platforms that are going towards a similar or the same direction and uh, including open air in this pool of digital tools? What is the impact that these applications and these tools are already having, let's say, on uh, uh, limiting the problem of corruption? And then I will move to Cristina to talk about how we did this in, uh, uh, in another country. Karina. So a lot of these um, similar uh, platforms, um, what is rather usual about them is that they are mostly uh, top-down uh, initiatives, uh, which means that they do require a rather a lot of uh, input from uh, either the builder of the platform or an advocacy organization who will take then the information that is gathered on the platform and then turn it into either a legislative uh, proposal or use it in, a, in an article or, you know, et cetera, to kind of change something that is, uh, is done. Um, there's only a few examples where it's the opposite, where it's more of a bottom bottom up and it actually uh, uh, works as well. But there's a, a few concrete examples perhaps that is you know interesting to um, look. So for example, in after 2000, 2014 in uh, Ukraine, a couple of volunteers started building this app called Prozorro, which is uh, we started gathering all the public procurements in an e-format. And uh, within just a couple of years, it actually turned into a national procurement registry. And after that, the, what was created was Dozorro, which then uses all the data that is now gathered on Prozorro and then puts it together with a team of uh, already known experts and NGOs who will do civil mo monitoring. Uh, over these procurements. And it also uses artificial intelligence to highlight any potential red flags when it comes to procurements. Um, and I mean, the research about this has, uh, has shown that when this kind of civic monitoring is included in an app, it actually uh, really makes sure that the impact of this is, is more positive. So uh, one example of this could be that uh, if there are collusive bidders, so bidders who have already decided that they will have a set price and they have already made uh, deals beforehand that they will 
have this kind of uh, price for uh, this bid, then if there is civic engagement and someone uh, looking through these bids will notice that they have not outbid each other. They have cha not changed bidding or the bid prices against each other. So if you add this civic monitoring, that it actually helps to uh, improve real competition between the different parties. But something interesting that then connects us to the topic uh, of um, a similar project that took place in another country outside Estonia, but still in the European geographical area, is uh, the fact that some of these initiatives happen in a top-down manner. While instead, Christina, we know that when there are these cases and like these problems and they're widespread and the civil society also knows that they are quite some big problems, let's say, for the political and social life of the country, uh, then we know that there are also some organizations or like NGOs that uh, at the citizens even themselves um, at a lower level which take action and get involved and try to find solutions to uh, to these problems also by using digital tools this connects us to the topic of uh, to the country of Moldova and to the topic of uh, a tool that has been implemented there to raise awareness on the topic of corruption which is a platform called Anticor. So uh, eGovernance Academy was part of that project and uh, can you tell us what happened there, what was done and uh, also what kind of impact has this platform had up until now on uh, raising awareness on the topic? Yes, indeed. Actually, the short background story uh, is why we decided to create this kind of tool is exactly what you've already partly mentioned. So we tried to empower this time more civil society because actually a few years ago when we conducted a study situation review on e-democracy in all Eastern partnership countries. Like one, one obvious uh, conclusion was that corruption is for many of those countries still uh, maybe challenge number one, particularly for Moldova. But other very important conclusion for us was also said that in most of those countries, legislation to combat corruption is, is pretty much there already, not implemented everywhere and always yet. But what, what civil society most of all is expecting are really like real call to action or helping them to, to call citizens to action and real tools. I mean, really tools which enable this immediate action. So this was a short background story. And we really decided that we need or see needs I mean, civil society, and we had very strong, very good local partner, CPR, Center of uh, Reforms, Policy Reforms, which was, was ready to, to run, start running this platform. The platform which enables average citizens really to educate themselves, to raise their awareness uh, and, and level of perception of recognizing this small-scale corruption, really. We were not going to grant grand corruption really we exactly wanted to, to tackle this everyday small corruption which is not cor considered corruption in in moldova which was our hypothesis yes 
and which also enables citizens to test their knowledge, not just, you know, read uh, short cases, but tests, I mean, giving some real tests tests uh, where they can they can get the result or basically ranking on how well they are doing in terms of perceiving and the most important functionality we wanted to create and create it was really to report anonymously on corruption risky cases situations but also on concrete cases and they can even even a list or the, or name the the, the the institution say 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 consider most uh, connected to different corruption cases. So there is also real time kind of list. I mean blacklist of of those institutions which are related or connected by by users to to concrete corruption cases. So all these different functionalities and and to our positive surprise this this site or platform has been quite actively used by 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 civil i mean average citizens but also civil society organization because one idea was really that this is just input and it feeds into further further activities or uh, advocacy activities of moldovan civil society organizations to deal further with those priority issues because based on reports we can say which are the priority topics for, for citizens we can already now say that before local elections there I mean of course voting corruption was the most most uh, reported area most reported issues were dealing with 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 small cases where citizens uh, noticed there are obviously uh, corruption risky situation or clear cases and and uh, and one very important topic seems to be also this business integrity or uh, i mean uh, now our partner is stealing or has launched several campaigns and new activities regarding especially educating starting businesses startups and young entrepreneurs on, on how to deal with what means like like business integrity honest business or all these things so because in sometimes in some those countries as moldova is it's 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 really very hard to go immediately to public institutions or i mean it's 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 rather really starting i mean from really very very grassroots level and really starting from this raising awareness and they are getting bigger and bigger but but this seems to be like more effective and and uh, impactful way in a in a, in a way of course, the listeners tuning in cannot see us, but like we are like nodding, uh, probably because we also we are all nodding here, participating to the call because probably we also have other examples in mind coming from different home countries, such as I mean, yes, Estonia, yes, Moldova, but also I don't know Italy or like uh, Greece or uh, even just like uh, uh, places that that there are, are not that often, let's say, in the newspapers for cases like that, but are nonetheless affected by the problem of corruption uh, and. Uh, to conclude this episode of the podcast, uh, we talked about increasing awareness. So Anticor in uh, um, in Moldova has the purpose and the ultimate goal of increasing awareness about corruption, but also provide a channel for whistleblowing, let's say. At the same time, Opener in uh, by Transparency International and partners in Estonia um, also basically has the purpose of providing the tools to then uh, analyze and uh, eventually uh, combat indeed uh, corruption. So what from both of you, first Christina and then uh, Karina, uh, what, 
if we increase and if we increase the awareness, if we raise the awareness over corruption, if we provide the tools to make certain processes more transparent, then what is the the change, let's say, that can arise from that? Because increasing transparency is not necessarily also building up on a phase two for that, let's say. It is discovering and getting to know more, but it's not really about, I don't know, acting upon it. So um, what uh, what are the consequences, the positive consequences, of course, and what are the actions that can follow the phase of increasing awareness and uh, transparency? First, Cristina, second, Karina. Yeah, if I'm following that, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm really following quite carefully what our partners in, in Moldova is doing or are doing with that particular tool. Then, yes, actually, they immediately uh, say pick up some of the most outstanding uh, reports, I mean, in a way that which seems to be like really reporting on the very important issue. They immediately publish it in their Facebook page and they also explain to to citizens in the Facebook page what what they are going to do. They are many times they are sending out requests to this particular institution which has been uh, mentioned there in in this report and in in this way they are of course creating, I hope so, maybe I'm very naive and illusionistic, they they are creating already, I mean uh, more, more transparency and maybe fear in those public institutions still because I, I still believe that nobody wants to be mentioned and and and, and having uh, everybody seen that they are having clear problems. So they report on each step uh, they are doing in terms of really doing some real actions. And, and if they are not getting any answer or explanation, then they also publish that as well. So it's 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 still kind of this this very public monitoring still, I think, uh, still has some impact, uh, I, I, I strongly believe, in the way public institutions uh, behave in, in Moldova. Maybe it takes a long time and, of course, nothing will change very, very, very quickly. But I still uh, do think that it has, in a way, this, uh, this impact. Karina. So I think it's, it's, it's a very good point to make transparency is not a and it's a means towards getting towards accountability, right? I mean, if, if uh, not real accountability follows transparency, there is no point of transparency. So we need strong institutions, we need, uh, and what we really need is change of culture. Um, if we have law enforcement that will go and prosecute the, the corrupt people, then the culture needs to change in the, way, in the sense of uh, what we as uh, citizens take as uh, the normal state of things um, and also the normal way of action when it comes to the political sphere or when it comes to everyday uh, life and everyday uh, meeting uh, with uh, officials who might extort us for bribes in some countries or when uh, when we see a businessman offering a bribe for getting an advance towards uh, what they want in their country. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Cristina Reinsolo, and thanks a lot, Karina Payo, for participating today. And uh, to all our listeners, tune in to the next episode of the Digital Government Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.